Amen. How are we this morning? Well, good. All, th- all three of you are so excited. Um, this morning, just bear with me. I, I'm, I'm a little bit under the weather, um, and I think mostly because we live in South Georgia, and South Georgia is kind of like, the weather in South Georgia is kind of like my family reunions. When you go, you'll never know what's really going to show up. It's, uh, um, it's kind of how it is day to day down here in the South. So, uh, we're going to pray. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to 2 Corinthians 5, 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And I know what you're thinking. Oh, man, I read Mark chapter 2. I read ahead, TJ, and you're pulling this on us? Uh, we're, we're taking just a week break from Mark uh, for our Disciple Now students. For those who walk through the scriptures together this weekend, we're going to honor the text that they were in and look at it together. So, if you have your Bibles and you're in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I'm going to read it to you and then we'll pray and then we'll dig in. Starting in verse 13. I told you 12, I tricked you, I'm sorry. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ controls us, or depending on the translation you're reading, it may say, for the love of Christ compels us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died, and he died for all. That those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself and not holding their trespasses against them. And entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God for he made him who knew no sin to become sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Let's pray. Father, we look to you this morning, the author and finisher of our faith, the good and faithful and patient king the one who when you didn't have to, did. Give of yourself in grace so that we might receive the inheritance of freedom and adoption. We were wayward sons and daughters, strangers and aliens to the faith, but you brought us in, you redeemed us, you called us sons and daughters, and even more than that, called us friends. So this morning, God, as we look into this text, I pray that you would open our eyes to see and our ears to hear and our hearts to receive from you all that you have for us. God, don't let us miss a thing in the mighty and precious name of Jesus. And everybody together said, amen. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we're in our right mind, it's for you. For the love of Christ compels us or controls us because we have concluded this. One has died for all, therefore all have died, and he died for all. And those who are living might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for their sake. Number one, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Number one, our, ma- our motivation for everything, our motivation for everything 
is the love of Christ. If you're not taking notes, text it to a friend. Two things happen there. One, you get to save the note. Two, you don't have to pretend that you're not texting to church. Number one, our motivation for everything is the love of Christ. This is what Paul's saying. He's saying, it's overtaken me in such a way that the word here, which is really interesting in the original language, when he says beside ourselves, that's really a fancy way of saying insane. That's the word that Paul uses. Paul's like, I know when you look at my life, I know when you look at me and the way I act and the things that I do, what I gave up for the cause of Christ, you must think I'm crazy. Paul's just kind of nodding. Because I am. I mean, think about this transition in his life for just a moment. This is off notes. All this is for free. But this transition in his life, he was well-educated, financially prosperous. He had authority and power. He was of the right family, from the right neighborhood, from the right city, from the right country. He was the man. And he gave all of those things up so that he could have Christ, be had by Christ. And from the outside looking in, the world was saying, man, you've absolutely lost your mind. And Paul's just like, yeah, I'm crazy. Because his, his motivation had shifted. And for you and I today, if we are in Christ, if we are believers, our motivation for everything should be the love of Christ. Our worship, our service, our evangelism, everything that we do should be fueled and pushed by the love of Christ. You say, TJ, why? I got a good job. I'm kind of working up the ladder. I got a few degrees. You know, I can pat myself on the back. I've worked really hard for myself. Awesome. So if money is the thing that is compelling you in your life, money compels you to work, money compels you to go, money compels you to spend long hours away from your family, money compels you, if it's just money, then help me understand what happens when the hearse gets there. Because I've never seen a U-Haul behind a hearse. Right? Like, I, mean, I, I just want to be real with us for a moment. If money is the key aim of our life, if the money is the thing that compels us, if, you know, reaching, keeping up with the Joneses and blah, 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 all this is what compels us, what happens when we die? Like, nobody gets, nobody gets, to, nobody gets to tow that 401k with them. Nobody gets to take those stocks and bonds. Nobody gets to take that stuff with them. So listen, hear me when I say this well. If it is the money that's driving or compelling your life, there will be a day that it runs out. If it's relationships and popularity, all that praise, all that glory, all that honor ends at the grave. There's nothing intrinsic, deeply intrinsic. Now, don't hear me say this. I mean, TJ told us to quit our jobs, not to make any money. That's not what I'm saying this morning. You should be good stewards. You should work hard. You should work so hard that your boss asks you, why in the world are you working so hard? Because I'm compelled by the love of Christ. Why do you treat your coworkers so well? I'm compelled by the love of Christ. Man, why do you show up early? Why do you stay late? Why do you, why do you love us? Why do you serve us? Why are you concerned about people? I'm compelled by the love of Christ. See, money's amoral. 
Stuff is amoral. It doesn't have a conscience. So we can use money for the glory of God and allow the love of Christ to compel us to use it for his glory. We can use our work. We can use our degrees. We can use our effort and our work for the glory of God. But those things in themselves are poor, broken saviors. And they will let you down every time. So our motivation doesn't come from this world or what this world has to offer or what can be gained here. We are compelled, we are grabbed by the love of Christ. We're moved and motivated by the love of Christ. Let's keep going. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves. (coughs) Excuse me might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. I want you to see this for just a moment in verse 15. It says that they are living for him and no longer living for themselves. This is a beautiful thing about Christianity. It's supposed to be others-centered. It's supposed to be God first, others second, and we come third. It's not popular in our culture, in our day, It's supposed to be all about me and my preferences and my wants and my prejudice should be adhered to and what what I desire should be the chief end aim of man. But listen, that's not the Bible. They no longer live for themselves. These people who are out of their minds, these people who have gone all in on Christ, these people who have given everything that they have for the sake of the kingdom, these people who have committed their lives to Christ, they no longer live for themselves. Why? Why do we give it all up and follow Christ? Because he is the only eternal king. He is the only one who has already conquered sin and the grave and will live forevermore and has prepared a place for you and I to live with him forevermore. He actually said something like this. You be not... Afraid or don't be anxious. You believe in God, believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go now to prepare a place for you so that where I am, you may be also. There's something bigger than ourselves. There's something bigger than us. And Christ has invited us into that story. He's invited us into that story because there's only one king. There's only one victor. Hear me when I say this this morning. When Christ was elevated on the cross, when Christ was raised on the cross, everyone else in that moment was leveled. This is what's beautiful about the gospel. This is what I love about the gospel. Is that it doesn't matter how much money we have or how much money we don't have. It doesn't matter how popular we are or how unpopular we are. It doesn't matter how dirty we think we are or how clean we believe ourselves to be. It does not matter how educated or uneducated we are. At the foot of the cross, all of our prejudice, all of our pride dissipates because there's only two kinds of people at the cross. There's lost and there's found. Period. And those who are found are only those who have trusted their lives to Christ Jesus alone for salvation. They have come to the knowledge and understanding that every single one of us is lost, broken, and undone without Jesus Christ. So we don't get to hold on to our prejudice. We don't get to hold on to our pride. We don't get to hold on to our pedigree or who we think we are. 
we get to surrender it all at the foot of the cross because he is the only lasting eternal king. And he has invited us into a relationship with him. We are no longer living for ourselves. We are living for King Jesus and we are living for the glory of God and for the good of others. Can you imagine that? That because God loved us so much that he ransomed us and he didn't just save us and leave us alone, but he incorporated us into his story so that you and I might be used to win other people to Christ. I say it all the time. I think it's the craziest thing in the world. And I'm, I'm not sure why God did it or why he's allowed that to be the theme of scripture, but God, infinite God, good, glorious, awesome God has incorporated morons like T.J. Malden into the story of the gospel to see people one to Christ. I would have not bet on me, right? Or any of you, to be honest. I love you guys. But it shows the grace and the humility and the favor of God that he would, in his goodness, incorporate. We're going to talk about it in just a minute. Make us ministers, messengers of reconciliation. He knows that we're broken. He knows that we're needy. But when we turn to him, he makes us whole. Woo! He makes us whole. When Christ is lifted in our lives, we are leveled. We surrender to him in faithfulness. And something happens. I love this next verse. There's a shift. There's a shift that takes place when our eyes are open to the beauty of Christ and the depravity of our own hearts and we embrace him in repentance. Look what he says. From now on, verse 16, from now on, Therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. From now on, things are different. From now on, we see Jesus differently. From now on, the moment that we see the gospel, the moment that we realize that Christ is exalted and that we are humbled at the cross, the moment that we realize we've been offered freedom and forgiveness and grace and hope, from now on, things are different. I, I remember my from now on moment. I was a junior, uh, a sophomore in high school, and I grew up in the church. Many of you guys know my story. I grew up in the church, could quote a bunch of scripture, could read the Bibles, could actually spoke a couple times at youth group, and I was lost as last year's Easter egg. Like, I was just gone. And I would never go all in with God because I viewed God as this overbearing, over arching being out in the cosmos somewhere who when I messed up, he was only there to, to kind of check up. Well, there's TJ, messed up again, messed up again. This lightning bolt ready to strike me dead, right? It's the way I viewed him. That's the way he was preached to me most of my life. He's kind of like the, the grumpy cosmic Santa Claus that only kept record of those who were naughty, didn't really care about those who were nice, and would send you to hell. It's the way he was painted in many churches. And my, my from now on moment happened when I, when I realized that, that he wasn't some distant being 
that was just frustrated with humanity and hated us and didn't want anything to do with us, that from now on moment for me happened when I realized that he was a faithful father who loved the world so much that he sent his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. I remember New Year's Eve, my sophomore years, when the scales fell off my eyes and I saw him as a God who, who wasn't distant, wasn't angry, didn't hate me, but he was approaching me through the blood of Christ. And he wanted to call me son? He wanted to call me friend? Everything was different from from that moment on that I realized that, hold hold on a minute, you you are God. And you being God want to have relationship with me. Something happened that day. I begin to see the Savior differently. This from now on moment happened. From that moment that I saw my sin for what it was and my Savior for who he was, he was no longer just a good teacher. He was no longer just some religious figure. He was no longer just the character in the Bible studies I heard when I was a kid. The moment that I saw my sin for what it was and my Savior for who he was, I could no longer unsee the cross. I'd seen it. I'd realized what he'd done for me. And from that moment on, there was a shift in my heart. I'm asking you this morning, has there been a from now on moment in your life? Have you seen the Savior for who he is? Have you seen your sin for what it is? Have you seen the cross in such a way that you realize that Christ gave himself so that he might be with you? Not only do we see the Savior differently, though, in this shift, we see the world differently. Paul says that he is compelled or controlled by the love of Christ. He is motivated by the love of Christ. And hear me when I say this. When you you realize that We all deserve hell, that we're all broken, but God in his faithfulness and his love has given himself to us so that we might have hope forevermore. We begin to view the world differently. When you realize that we were all lost and undone without him, we no longer allow these random lines that we, the socioeconomical lines or racial lines to separate us. We begin to desire to see the world one for Christ. When we see the Savior for who he is and our sin for what it is, we no longer have the ability to see the world as just people in their categories. We see two things, like I said earlier, either lost and found. And for the found, we celebrate. And for the lost, we are heartbroken. We plead with God that he would save the world. And we plead with the world that they would know Christ. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, picking up in 17, He's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. In Christ. If, you, if you're taking notes or if you have a Bible with you this morning, uh, just circle that, in Christ. If you're not taking notes, um, you don't have anything to write with you. You didn't bring a Bible. Just, I'm, I'm serious. Just text that to a friend, in Christ. I want you to remember that because our security, once we realize that Christ has redeemed us, he has set us free, that he loves us, our security is no longer in this world and what this world has to offer. 
our provision, our foundation, our security is now in Christ. The one who has never been defeated, the one who never fails. And not only our security, but also our acceptance. We, we no longer have to work our fingers to the bone to try to win the approval and the acceptance of man and people around us and what neighborhood we live in or what clothes we have on, blah, blah, blah. All that stuff's going to burn one day, right? We spend our time wearing ourselves out trying to keep up with those things. At the end of the day, we are accepted in Christ Jesus alone. We're secure in Christ and we're accepted in Christ. I mean, I want you to think of it this way. There's so many people in our world who fight to be accepted by their peers or they fight to be accepted by their employers. They fight to be accepted by this person or that person, this relationship. When the God of creation who breathed out the galaxies accepts you. Think about that. You're accepted this morning on the basis of Christ Jesus on the cross. You're accepted and you're secure. Your security is in Christ, your acceptance is in Christ, and your future is in Christ. See, we don't look with dread to the grave. We don't run towards it by no means. But we don't look at the grave with dread or fear or trepidation. Why? Because our future is in Christ. We believe what he said. We breathe that last breath here. We breathe our first in eternity with a good God and a good Father who loves us and calls us his own. All this is from God, picking up in 18, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Hear this and jot this down if you're taking notes. Nothing happens apart from Christ. Everything that we've read, none of this happens apart from Christ. This new creation, this new life, it doesn't happen because we're good. It doesn't happen because we go to Sunday school. It doesn't happen because we show up at church all the time. It doesn't happen because our name's on a roll. It doesn't happen because we put money in the plate. It only happens because Christ Jesus came and lived a life that we could never live, died a death that we could never die, and rose from the grave. It's all about him. All this is from Christ, from God, who through Christ is reconciling us to himself and giving us the ministry of reconciliation. And this is what's beautiful, and this is what blows my mind. None of it comes apart from Christ. We don't receive any of this grace apart from Christ, and we don't receive the ministry of reconciliation apart from Christ. We do not preach behavior modification. You'll never hear me say, don't drink a beer, don't smoke a cigarette, and don't say a cuss word, and God will like you. You'll never hear me say that. Because the gospel is so much deeper than that. You're not approved or disapproved in front of God today based on your good behavior or your bad behavior. It's all about Christ. And if you say, well, TJ, I don't really like that, then you don't like the Bible and you definitely don't like the gospel. Because it was never about us or our ability to be good. It was all about him and his ability to be king. And because of that, we have a global responsibility. Because of what we've seen and we've embraced through the blood of Christ and through the work of God, we now have a responsibility. And it's a global responsibility. 
Listen to what he says. You've been given the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. You've been entrusted with the gospel. Because we've seen this great work that's not apart from Christ, but the great work that Christ did in us and for us and now wants to do through us, we have a global responsibility to take and share the gospel with the world. We have a responsibility. We're compelled by God, the love of Christ in God, to share the gospel. It's a global responsibility. It's not just about Tifton. It's not just about George. It's not just about the United States. It's about the world. He said in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, one of my favorite verses in all of the Bible, you hear me quote it all the time, and you will receive power when my Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. God has a global perspective, and we've been handed this incredible gift of the gospel to take and share with the world. And it's a weighty responsibility. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on the behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Hear that one more time. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us, an ambassador. See, when the United States sends an ambassador to another country, they embody the spirit of America. This person goes in, in as the face of our president, as the face of our country, as the face of our nation, as the personal representation of America. Paul says you are ambassadors for Christ. If you're a believer this morning, you are his personal representation. God making his appeal through you. You and I have been entrusted with the ministry and the message of reconciliation, the message of hope. You and I get to be the fingerprint of God on creation. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him who knew no sin to become sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You say, TJ, man, I, you don't want me to be an ambassador. <laughs> I struggle, I make mistakes, man, I, I fail, I trip up. He knows. He didn't say, I want you to be my ambassador, except for those of you that, that can't get it together sometimes. So I want you to be my ambassadors. I want you to carry the message of reconciliation. For he made him who knew no sin to become sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You and I, the hope that we have this morning that we might be ambassadors is fueled by the reality that Christ Jesus came and took our place. He absorbed the wrath of God on our behalf and he gave us his own righteousness. Therefore, we stand in front of the world and we stand before God today righteous, not because we've done anything good, but because we have put our faith and trust in the righteous one. So here's my question this morning. Have you experienced that moment? Have you experienced that 
that moment where you said, okay, God, here I am, I'm all in. I'm having this from now on moment. My life is going to be differently. I'm going to live differently, love differently because I realize Christ Jesus loves me. If you haven't had that moment, I I invite you to surrender to Christ this morning. There's no special incantation or prayer to pray. It can be this simple. I surrender, God. Here I am. Lord, I'm going all in. Whatever you want to pray to God to surrender your life, he will accept it. There's nothing fancy about it. And the second challenge, the second invitation this morning is for those of you in the room who are believers. You have committed your life to Christ asking you this morning. Are you carrying the gospel? Are you being an ambassador? Are you submitting your daily life to the power of the Holy Spirit to draw you away from the world and the affections here and to draw you more and more towards the cross of Calvary and to the glory of God? Are you being an ambassador? If you're like me and some days you're like, TJ, I'm just just not. I just encourage you, ask for help. He's listening. Like we kind of do this every Sunday in the hope that he hears, right? On that belief that he cares about what we have to say and cares about who we are. So if you're a believer today and you say, TJ, I want to have that global responsibility. I want to feel the weight of that responsibility and I want to be the ambassador in my family, in my peer group, in my school, in my job, on my team. Help me to be that ambassador. Just ask him. ask him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for the gospel. Thank you that we are compelled, we are controlled by the love of Christ. And sometimes, Lord, that looks crazy. God, I pray that you give us a genuine brokenness for the world around us. I pray that we could build our lives on the reality that you came and died for us while we were still sinners. Not when we were clean and perfect, but while we were still sinners. You died in our place. And you absorbed the wrath of God the Father and you imputed to us, you gave to us your righteousness. God, help us feel that strength and that peace and that grace today, knowing that we belong to you. You're not some distant God who is only filled with anger and wrath, but you are a God who calls us sons and daughters and even friends. Oh, how we love you, Jesus.